Father, we thank you that you uh, saw us in our mess and you loved us so much that you came in the form of your son. Thank you that on the cross you gave yourself. Thank you that because of the resurrection we know that we have been forgiven and we can be set free. We have been set free and we can be set free. And Lord, we want to lift up right now those people we know who you know who don't know you. Let's just spend a few moments just lifting those people before the Lord. You name, I'll pray you name them. Father, we want to lift up the, those, those friends of ours, those loved ones, those work colleagues, our neighbours, those people who don't know you. And Father, we want to pray for uh, moments this week where they uh, gain clarity, where the veils of their eyes are open, where they begin to see. We pray for conversations with people. We pray that you would draw people alongside them that, that would open up to questions and conversations about you. We thank you, Father, that, that you are on their case, even when it's hard sometimes for us to see that. We want to pray, Lord, that they would have encounters with you. And Father, we want to pray for, um, we want to pray for uh, members of ISIS and ISIL and uh, Islamic State. Lord, would they have encounters with you? We want to pray, Father, that, that uh, members of the Taliban and Al-Qaeda would have encounters with you. Lord, that they would move from being people who are out to kill people to out who to bring message of the message of life wherever they go. Father, we, we dare to believe in that region that there would be a revival that sweeps even faster than militancy. We dare to believe that, you're gonna ha that these people are going to have dreams and visions and encounters of you. We dream, Father, of a time when there is peace in that land. Lord, would you do that? We recognize that the politicians can do everything they like, but it is you who change hearts. It's you who birthed destiny in people. So Lord, we pray for both of those things in those regions. We lift up the situation in Crimea and in, with Russia. And Lord, we, again, we cry out to you for mercy. Lord, we're out of prayers. We don't know what to pray anymore. But Lord, thank you that, that, that you start where our prayers stop sometimes. Lord, would you move in that region? We pray for peace. We pray that hope would rise again. Thank you, Lord, that there is not a person in Guildford who you have not forgotten, who you have forgotten. Thank you, Lord, that you know each person in this city. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each person in this city. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for this city. And Lord, we want to pray that it would, be, it, it would, it would gain you clarity. You're calling upon this, this city. Would you release a fresh sense of its redemptive purpose? And Lord, for those who are visiting from other places, Lord, would you give them a fresh sense of the call that you've placed upon them, upon their churches, and upon their places. Lord, we just long for your kingdom to come. We long, Father, for it to be normal to hear stories about people coming to faith on the streets. We long for it to be normal uh, to hear stories of people getting healed. We long to, for it to become normal to hear about people who had cancer, who got prayed for and who don't have cancer anymore. We long for it to be normal for children to grow up saying, and when they're old, saying there was never a day when I didn't know Jesus. So Lord, would you bring these things about? Would heaven invade earth? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, many of you will know her already, but I'd love to introduce 
Julia Thomas to you. She's going to be speaking, us, speaking to us this morning on the subject of purpose. And uh, Julia was, uh, is a trained, she's a GP, uh, doctor, and uh, she's married to James. Got two, three amazing children. That was close. And uh, together with James and some friends, they set up this extraordinary charity uh, a number of years ago called Justice and Karen. I'm, I know she's going to talk more about that during her talk, but let's give her a big welcome as she comes and speaks to us this morning. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. I'll try and make sure my notes don't fall on the floor. Um, so, yes, today is um, the last talk in the series we've been doing on John 15, um, and it's on purpose. Um, and I must say that the whole topic of purpose is huge. So, I'm literally going to be scratching the surface today. I know I'm not doing it justice. Um, there is an amazing book um, that I have um, read um, that did inspire me for some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about this morning, which is written by Rick Warren, and it's called The Purpose Driven Life. Um, and I encourage you to um, dip into that at some point. Um, so we've been through in this series, we've talked about success, um, we've talked about breakthrough, joy, friendship, and now it's purpose. So I'm going to jump right in and um, read uh, verses 16 and 17 from chapter 15 in John. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Um, and he is um, really uh, speaking to them um, one of the last times that he is with them because Jesus knows that he is about um, to go um, and die for them, for us. Um, and so he is um, giving them his pearls of wisdom. So Jesus says, um, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain forever so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. So in a nutshell, we can see that Jesus is saying that we have been chosen, that we have been appointed to do a job, and that we are anointed. So it's an age-old question, isn't it? Why have we been chosen? What purpose does our life have? Why are we here? And that has been debated for since time began, probably. I think human nature, we're always searching for purpose and meaning in our life. And I don't know if any of you have done the Alpha Course. One of the Alpha Course slogans is, there, is there more to life than this? Um, and um, as was mentioned on the video, Alpha's just started running here. And it's a really good place to start debating um, and asking questions about Jesus, who is Jesus, why are we here, what is our life for? So I'd really encourage you to 
come along if you've not done it before and bring friends um, as well. I think many of us struggle with finding the answer to what is our purpose um, or what are we here for because we actually start from the wrong place. We start with ourselves. I did a quick Google search and um, there are 353,448 self-help books advertised on Amazon. And that, it's a multi, multi-million pound business. And it kind of makes me think that they don't work as every month a new one comes out. So why is that? I think it's because that we can't, it doesn't start with us. It starts with Jesus. Jesus makes it very clear to us in many places in the Bible that we're not an afterthought. We're not an accident. He makes it clear that we were very carefully planned. And he makes it clear that we are here for a reason. It says in Ephesians that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. It says in the Psalms, You created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are beautiful. So we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are made for a purpose. God doesn't leave anything to chance. He is the great architect. And the verses um, from John that I read at the beginning, it says that um, Jesus is basically reminding us that he chose us. That says he made the first move. And because of that, we're actually then able to make the choice. He made the first move. He chose us. He chose to die for us so that we may have life. And our choice is to accept him or to reject him. Now, I don't know if some of you were here um, uh, uh, last week, I think it might have been, um, when I stood up and I shared a picture um, that I had. Um, one of the ways that God talks to me is um, through pictures. That he, I, it's very visual, the way that he talks to me. Um, and when we were worshipping, I had um, a vision, really, of Jesus coming here and walking amongst us. And he was putting out his hand to each and every one of us. And it was as if he was, he, he was choosing us. He was um, saying, trust me trust me. And I've been reflecting on that um, image all week while I've been thinking about this talk. And as I was been reflecting and, um, on it, I could just see him going around to all of us, almost constantly offering his hand, saying, I choose you. I choose you. And for those of us that didn't trust him and didn't accept him, and didn't choose him. I almost saw that he came round the back and he put his hand on our shoulder and there was a mixture of total love for us, but sadness as well. He wants us to choose him. He loves us so much. He wants us to be the person that he created us to be. And I think spiritually, 
the more we get to know him, the more we trust him, the deeper our relationship with it becomes with him, the more we choose to walk with him, the more we actually develop into the person that he designed us to be. He loves us. He enjoys us. It says in the Bible, he delights in us. He wants to spend time with us. And in Rick Warren's book that I mentioned at the beginning, um, one of the, the um, things he says that God wants us to make him smile. And it's just in the way that a parent um, loves looking at their children and their children make them smile with the things they do. It's the same with God. He wants us to do things that would make him smile. And one of those things is to worship him. One of our purposes is to worship our God, worship the creator of the universe, worship our creator. And I'll let you into a little secret. Um, when I first became a Christian and um, was then came to understand that, yes, I'm going to um, uh, be with God in eternity. And one of the things that happens in eternity is that you worship him day and night and all day long. Now, I'm a rubbish singer. I'm not musical. I'm always one of those people that um, when you worship, when it's suddenly gone silent, I'll jump in with the next verse and then go, <gasps> and then feel very embarrassed. And I thought, I can't go to heaven worship continually and just have this eternal embarrassment is going to be awful and then I've come to realize that worship's not just singing obviously worship is actually everything we do it's a lifestyle it means that every activity we do we need to do with God in mind everything we do should be trying to bring him glory and it's as if we need to be in a constant conversation with him. It's not just, okay, I come and meet God on Sunday. Tick, that box is done. Done my job. That's my purpose done. It's not that at all. He wants us to be in a constant uh, conversation with him. And that means involving him in everything we do. Involving him in the mundane as well as the glamorous things that we do. So what are we chosen for? Um, it says in verse 16 that God chose us to go and bear fruit and that that fruit would last. So what does that mean? That's a call to action. It's a call to mission. We have to go and we have to bear fruit. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. Note the quality of the fruit as well. He wants it to be fruit that lasts. He wants us to invest our time and our energies and what we do in things that will last, things that have an eternal element to them. So when Jesus is talking to his disciples here and telling them what their purpose was, what his plans for them are, um, he is telling them to go and bear fruit. We are the ears and the eyes. We are the hands and the feet. We are the ones that can speak the tender words. We are the ones that we can speak the truth to other people. And we have to do those things to glorify the Father. Do those things to help bring people that don't know Jesus into relationship with him. 
Effectively, he has asked us to be ambassadors for him or an advertisement for him. And that is so important that we carry that, um, that thought with us in everything we do. We can't argue people into the kingdom. You can't bully them into the kingdom. We can love them into the kingdom. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus tells us to love others, commands us to love others. And it's by doing that that we can attract people to find out more, to find out more about the truth, to find out about God, to find out about Jesus. He tells us that we have to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. And that means loving those who are easy to love as well. As, and that means loving those who are difficult to love as well as those that are easy to love. And it's hard to do that on our own. We need God's strength, God's guidance, God's wisdom, and God's love in us in order to do that. We don't have to be special for God to use us. He loves us unconditionally, warts and all. And he expects us to love others unconditionally, warts and all. We go and do things. Our purpose to go and love others, we do that because he has summoned us to do that. So he expects us to go and be obedient to that call. He's given all of us amazing, unique um, gifts and abilities. He's made us all different. And he loves and celebrates our differences. I mean, obviously, some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts, some of us are doers, some of us are thinkers, some of us are feelers, some of us are practical, some of us are impractical, trying not to look at my husband. <laughs> He is practically perfect in every way, but just not with a screwdriver. <laughs> and he's made us unique with all these unique gifts because he needs us and he needs those gifts. I'm sure you've heard the analogy of um, us being a, a body. Um, and that is just so true. So we need um, people who are doers to go and do things. We need people who are thinkers to think and strategize. Every gift is used, can be used for God's glory in his kingdom. It says in Ephesians um, 2, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God has made us to do good works for which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. So he has planned um, a purpose for each and every one of us. And it's no accident that he's made us how we are. And he wants us to use those abilities. God isn't going to compare us with others when we get to heaven. But what he is going to say is, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? Have you reached your potential using those gifts that I gave you? Because I gave them to you for a reason. So how do we go about finding our purpose or our calling or our ministry. I think as Christians, it's um, something we can get in a tangle with sometimes, trying to find out what our purpose, you know, what's God's will for our life. I'd say the first thing we do is pray 
and seek counsel from wise people. If we follow God's will for our life, we will receive his anointing and he will equip us and enable us to do the things that he called us to do. But I would say that God is far more interested in what we are or who we are than actually what we do. He's interested in our heart. He looks us, looks at us with eternal eyes, with eternity in mind. I think there's probably 101 different jobs and careers that you could do. But if we miss the point of him, you know, we're just missing the point. We're all wired differently. We all um, feel called to do different things or excited about different things. Uh, there are different things that we are good at. Um, and for me, I'd, from a very young age, I always had this deep yearning and deep desire to go and make a difference, usually in fairly far-flung places. And when, when I was a little girl, I used to sit um, at my dad's desk, and he had a big map on the wall. And I used to pick out the most obscure and the most far-flung place, places I'd never even heard of, like mm, Burkina Faso or Easter Island, or all these places. And I was young, very young at the time, and then I would find a way of getting a pen pal in those places because I was drawn to trying to make a difference. As I grew a little bit older, um, I had a gap year between school and university. Um, and I went to uh, work in Africa with orphan children because I had this sense that I wanted to make a difference. I then went on to do medicine because I wanted to make a difference. During my medical training, I spent some time in India. And I just didn't go anywhere. I went to a remote and challenging place because I wanted to make a difference. I then went on and spent six months living in a hammock in the jungles in Borneo, working with children there, because I wanted to make a difference. I got involved in a project in Brazil, because I wanted to make a difference. I then became a Christian and became a mum. And I became quite frustrated because I just felt I had so much inside me and I still wanted to make a difference. And it was almost as if God came up and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, excuse me, in actual fact, I can do all of those things on my own. <laughs> I created the world. I am perfectly capable of sorting everything out in the world. And what he basically was saying was that I had my focus totally wrong. I arrogantly was thinking I could go out and save the world. And actually what he wanted was my heart. He wanted my focus to shift onto him. And then by focus being shifted onto him, he was saying, I can use you much more powerfully. Then fast forward a little bit, um, about eight years ago, um, James and my heart were totally broken for children in slavery. Totally broken. We were weeping and we were in pieces. And we started to hear the call of God saying, I want you to come alongside me. And we hadn't a clue what to do. 
you know, it's never we've no experience at all in, in, in this kind of work or this kind of ministry. But we stepped out in faith. Initially, actually, we thought, right, we can get a whole, we know lots of people, we've got a whole load of people, we can sort of get something going. You know, we're good at organizing things. But actually, God very clearly said to us, actually, I want you two to do this. And it was very daunting, and it took a lot of courage. But we decided, okay, we're going to be obedient to this, and we stepped out in faith. And six and a half years ago, we helped found an organization called Justice and Care. And I am totally passionate about this organization. I could talk all day about it. But in a nutshell, we um, rescue children in slavery, um, and we put the criminals behind bars, behind bars, and then we spend as long as it takes to rehabilitate these children. It has been the most incredible journey. High highs, low lows, a lot of tears, a lot of whoopings with success. It has been really, really tough. But I can just truly say that if God wasn't with us, we wouldn't have been able to do it. If God's anointing wasn't on the organization, I don't think it would have grown and developed to how it is now. And today, we have rescued just under 1,500 children. And we've got almost 600 of those criminals are behind bars. My point being is that we have to get our focus right for our calling. We must look at it through the lens of God and do everything through the lens of God. Now, for many of us, um, our callings are, are much simpler and very different. And that is why I don't think there should be any division between mission work and secular work. I think everything we should do should be through the lens of God, whether it's the way we treat the train conductor when we're commuting to work, the way we talk to the person in the village shop, whatever it is, for a teacher, how you communicate with children, everything should be done through the lens of God. God doesn't let any details go to waste. He uses all of our past experiences, both good ones and bad ones, and he molds that into a perfect purpose and ministry for each one of us. It's very easy, though, to get too busy um, in, in life and therefore miss the opportunities, maybe miss the call that God is calling you to. We get so consumed in our own day-to-day -day life and our own things sometimes we can just miss what he is actually asking us to do. So prayer and counsel is very important of helping us discern that. Discern whether what we're trying to do is, for, is God's will for us. If we run around trying to save the world, which is like my default setting, and I have to keep pulling myself back, you run the risk of just burning out. Of course, God doesn't want that. He wants us to fulfill the purpose that he has designed for us. He doesn't want us to go running around doing things that he doesn't want us to do. And I also think as well that the danger then is actually we are 
treading on the ground and stealing someone else's purpose. It's very important to listen to what God is asking each of us to do, no matter how dramatic, no matter how simple that is. It's really important to make yourself available, not let busyness to get in the way. And to be courageous, so that when you do think or feel that he is asking you to do something, that you have the courage to step forward and to say yes. We're such a a goal-driven society, aren't we? The world tells us that it's good to set goals and then tells us that if we achieve those goals, that we're successful. And if we don't, we're a failure. But achieving goals that we set is totally different from achieving God's purpose for our lives. It's not how we do our work. It's not how we do... um, Sorry, it's how we do our work and it's how we do our relationships. It's how we parent our children. It's how we talk to people. It's how we do our ministry. That's That's what counts in God's eyes. He's much more interested in us doing the things that he has called us to do than running around trying to do everything on our own. And I think when we find our true God-ordained purpose, that is one of the deepest and most satisfying things that any of us can do. It's not always easy, but it can be one of the most satisfying things we can do. And we have to trust God, and we have to be obedient to his call. The last thing I would say is that it's really important not to let circumstances determine our purposes. So many things happen to us during our lives, good things, bad things, exciting things, challenging things. But we should trust that God uses all those things for his purpose for our life. And I just wanted to finish by telling you a story of a wonderful friend of mine who I think illustrates that really well. He's called Patrick. Um, when he was a young man, he was incredibly fit and strong and healthy and really sporty. He came from a Christian family. He thought he was indestructible. He was so sort of strong. And when he was 17, he um, developed a kidney disease that then went on to um, give him kidney failure. And it all started from a sore throat. And it was as if the most complicated and worst um, complication at each stage of his illness happened to him. And he deteriorated really quickly. He ended up then going for a transplant, which unfortunately failed very, very dramatically, almost killing him. And he had to have it removed. Now, Patrick, he was desperate to be healed because he didn't see his life and himself as being on dialysis for every more and an invalid. It's not what he thought his purpose in life was. So he was so fixated and focused on healing. And there were so many prayer meetings that uh, actually a number of people in this room went to for, for Patrick. And then in 1994, he met um, John Wimber. John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. 
And John Wimber was known for having an incredible healing ministry and had seen very many, lots and lots of dramatic healings happen. So Patrick thought, yeah, this is it. God is going to heal me. I'm going to go to this man. I'm going to be prayed for and I'm going to be healed and my life's going to go back to normal. And when he was talking to John Wimber, John said to him, Patrick, I don't have healing in my pocket. And then he went on to ask him questions like, what do you do with your bread packet when you've finished eating your bread? So Patrick went, well, throw it away. So what do you do with the milk carton when you've finished your milk? Well, I'd chuck it away. And then he said to Patrick, why are you holding on to your container so firmly? As in, why are you focusing so much on your body? He basically was telling him that his focus was in the wrong place. It was on himself. It was on his body, which obviously we can't take with us when we die and go to heaven. And Patrick said it was almost like a light going on. He suddenly got it. Ah! He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said he woke up the next morning feeling dramatically different. Physically, he hadn't changed at all. But spiritually, he had changed. And he started to be grateful for really little things. Things like going out for a cup of coffee with his wife, which for a renal patient is a big deal. Because when you're on dialysis, you're fluid restricted. And he was allowed less than 100 mils of fluid a day. So a cup of coffee was a huge thing. And God took him on this amazing journey. His faith increased hugely. He came to realize and know that illness isn't part of God's plan and purpose. But he came to learn that the Lord redeems everything that has been sent you know, by the enemy. But he turns that into good. And now Patrick has an amazing healing ministry. He prays for everyone, everyone who is sick. He blesses them. And he just says simply, all I am doing is that I am being obedient to God's great commission. He said, I am going out. I'm making disciples of all the nations. I'm baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And he is walking out in faith, fulfilling his purpose, despite his circumstances. Shall we pray? Father God, I thank you so much that you created us with a purpose in mind. I thank you that you delight in the fact that we are unique. I thank you that you love each of us so much. I thank you that you want to do life with us, Lord. I thank you that you just love spending time with us. And Lord, I ask now that you come and you fill everyone here with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you speak into their lives. I pray that you affirm the truth that each and every one of us are chosen and chosen for a reason and chosen for a purpose. 
I pray that you affirm to each one and each one of us here that you love us totally and utterly and that there is nothing that we can do that will make you love us less and nothing that we can do that you will make you love us more that you just love us completely and I thank you so much for that Lord amen Thank you so much, Julia. I believe that the Lord is going to do something deep in a number of our lives now. Because this issue of purpose is so urgent and so important. We live in a world where there are really two paradigms. One is that uh, there is no God, therefore we're ultimately meaningless and purposeless. Trying to impose purpose on a pointless and absurd universe. Or the paradigm that says there is a God, we were created, and therefore each one of us has, has some divine spark, some contribution, some reason for being. And of course, as Christians, we know that these words from Jesus 2,000 years ago relate not just to the mass of humanity, but to us today. And he says to us in John Chapter 15, as we have just heard, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. I'd love to get the musicians uh, down now, and we, I want us to respond uh, to this message about purpose. And just as they come down, I want you to be daring to imagine, this is what faith looks like right now, dare to imagine that these words of Jesus are for you. That Jesus Christ, present in this room by his spirit, looks you in the eye and says to you, I have chosen, and then he says your name, I have chosen you. Out of this auditorium, out of this city, out of seven billion, I have chosen you. And I have appointed you. You are appointed for this season in your life. You're not stumbling into the future. You have been appointed, chosen and appointed. And the appointment is for phenomenal purpose. It is that you would be fruitful, that you would be very fruitful, much fruit. And it's fruit that will last that means that this fruit, which could well be in your career, isn't just about making money because that will not last. It isn't just about getting promoted because that will not last. It is about something eternal. That is the appointment of Jesus Christ for you. And so there are three types of people in this room, and every single one of us is one of these three. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in one of three ways to whichever of these three things you are today. The first category of person here is that today has been a confirming word about your current purpose. A confirming word. You're here knowing that God wants you to be a parent, and that's your priority right now. Or that you're in the right job. Uh, or, or that you're studying 
probably the right course. And the Lord has come and said, this is your purpose. Now, this is significant. Don't trivialize this one. Because we all know that the greatest challenge can be the monotony of a great call. You know, obedience. Most of us, we're not stupid. If the devil appears with horns and says, don't do it, or an angel appears and says, do it, we're going to either not do it or do it, according to which entity is speaking to us. But when we're just having to get up Monday morning, or when we're having to deal with screaming kids, it can be hard to know that this is the purpose, the appointment of God for your life, right? So some of us today, this is a strong moment of confirmation even though sometimes you don't even want this to be a purpose right now, that God has called you. What if you are on the course you are on right now at university because it is the purpose of the living God for your life? What if, whilst you're dreaming of all these exotic other things, these two snotty kids are your primary purpose? What if commuting on that train is part of the sacrifice of fulfilling the purpose of God for your life in this season? So for some of us, this is a confirming word. That's the first category. It's confirming. You need grace for that. The second category is for some of us, this is a contesting word today. It's contesting because the call of God on your life is being contested. You have got full-on attack right now because we're in a battle. Massive temptations to quit. Health challenges, financial challenges. The enemy coming in like a flood. Disappointments and discouragements. And, and within it all, that gnawing sense of who me. You know, I can't do this. There's a profound contesting. Satan is the father of liars. He's a robber and a thief. He doesn't care too much about stealing your house. He wants to steal your destiny, your purpose. And he will lie, and he's a good liar, so it never seems like lies. It always seems like the truth. And generally, he'll lie to you through your emotions. So for some of us, there's contesting around our purpose, and today is a day that put our foot down and say, enough, I know I'm called, and it may be a battle, and it may be hard, but the prize is worth. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So for some, this is a contesting word. Thirdly and finally, for some of us today, this is a moment of commissioning into a new purpose. There's a sense that the winds are changing, a sense of new direction, a sense of a new day, a new song, a new direction, an end of one season and the beginning of another. As we grow quite quickly as a community, it's so encouraging. So many of you have spoken to me or phoned or emailed or whatever and said, we're loving it, we're coming alive spiritually, or we found Jesus, or uh, he's, he's talking to me in new ways, and that's thrilling. But what if coming to Emmaus is not the end of the journey, but the launch pad for the purpose of God on your life? What if from here you get sent out to the ends of the earth? What if from here you get sent out, not geographically, but into new opportunities culturally? in your career, or in ministry. 
And so for some of us, there's a sense of commissioning. Some of us, we know what it is. We've been wrestling with it, but we recognize it. It's a time for change. And for others of us, we don't know what that new direction is, what that new purpose, but we are daring to believe there is a new purpose and we sense that it's coming and we want today to say, I'm listening, God, whatever that looks like. Do you know, one of the times of greatest commissioning in the cycle of human life is retirement. Do not believe that that is a moment of decommissioning. You are made for more than watercolor painting and bringing down your handicap on the golf course. You are an eternal being with precious time in which you can bear eternal fruit. And knocking a white ball into a hole is not fruit that will last. Because we're all going to be good at golf in heaven. (laughs) We'll all have the best kit. Great leveler. So, you know, another great time of commissioning is marriage. You know, marriage isn't just about slushy romance the rest of your life, but it is about becoming a team with a call to change the world together in ways you couldn't on your own. And so, I don't know which of those three it is for you, but it will be one of those. Either today is a confirmation of the purpose that you're currently outworking and you need fresh grace. For that. Or you're today saying, I'm glad to be reminded about purpose because boy, is it being contested. Boy, is it a fight. I need the Holy Spirit because there are other kinds that are going after me right now. Or thirdly, for some of us, there's a sense of the winds changing, of a new commissioning, a new direction, a new purpose, and we either know exactly what it is or we're sensing it and we know this is a season of listening, waiting and intelligent discernment. I love that story that Julia told about um, not throwing away the wrapper, about throwing away the wrapper rather, about not taking our containers too seriously and one of the things can put us off pursuing the purpose of God for our lives is we say God if you will just sort out x y and z then I'll do it if you just heal me I'll do it if you just put another zero in my bank account then I could do it if you just give me a couple of extra gifts or make me as good as the person next to me or break my addiction then I'll do it the thing is You're never going to be perfect and you're never going to have enough money and your body's dying anyway. And he says to you, it's time to step out of the boat. It's time to take some risks. Do not waste your life just treading water. Defy Surrey and live for eternity. What if we could change it all? What if... What if instead of 95% of people being nowhere near church on a Sunday, what if something happened where one in every two people was seeking out the presence of God and encountering him every week and seeking to outwork his kingdom on Monday morning? What if most marriages in this area stuck together because we learned how to be faithful and true? What if people began to believe they were not some animal with its instincts, 
and its purposeless existence, but that we are very sons and daughters of God. What might happen if God's purpose for us was truly released? And like James and Julia using their resources to put 600 people in prison fighting human trafficking, and so many others of you doing remarkable things, we could find the dignity of doing what we do for the glory of God and for eternal fruit. I feel like um, quite often when we meet people, uh, we say, oh, hi, what's your name? Oh, I'm Jess. What do you do? And I feel that there's some people here who dread that question um, because they hate having to share what they do. Um, and I just, I have this really strong sense. I've just been shaking and feeling um, quite sick inside because I feel really strongly about this. Uh, there's some parents here and they hate saying, oh, I'm a parent, and hate saying, oh, actually, I, I don't have a job. My full-time job is being a mum or being a dad. And God just really wants to shift your thinking with that um, and take away that word just, oh, I'm just a mum, I'm just a dad, because that role is so important, and God really wants you to know that, that being a mum or being a dad, that's wonderful, that's such a blessing and such a privilege and you have such a great responsibility and you're, you're not just going out there making a difference as you, you're raising up other people that are going to go out and make a difference too. Um, so that's so wonderful and yeah, I just feel it so strongly. God has such a purpose for you in being a parent and that's not something small, that's something wonderful. So... Please let God just shift your thinking in that.